Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. My name is Josh and I'm joined by both my co-hosts Alex and Peter back again from the last hiatus of about uh, more than two months since May. Uh, Yeah, the the Chelsea season ended uh, just as downhill as it started and just as downhill as this podcast went after that last episode. We are back now again for a new season and with new signings and new players and a new manager, and we are going to talk all about it. Uh, the The order for this episode here is we're going to kind of recap the last three games that Chelsea has had in the preseason. Not that it means super, you know, it doesn't mean a ton, uh, but I guess it does mean something when you're drawing against Newcastle. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. Uh, and then we will also be building our lineup predictions for the start of the season and then closer to when it actually does start, uh, you know, the Premier League season next month, then we will give our final predictions uh, to see. But this is just kind of like a baseline of right now where we are in the beginning of August uh, where where the uh, the Chelsea team we think is going to look on the first day of Premier League action. Okay, I'm going to send it now to my co-hosts, Alex and Peter, to uh, introduce themselves again because, you know, people don't know their voices for the last couple of months and, uh, you know, say who you are, you know, where you come from and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how you're doing uh yeah it's been a while i'm i'm alex you know i'm a man who talks on this podcast a guy a boy who talks on this podcast i don't think i qualify as a man yet um anyway you know it's been a while like you said josh and uh you know i'm excited to kind of get back here uh, we kind of have a plan of doing kind of a weekly uh preseason uh recap because obviously we got two more games in the preseason uh, Sunday against Fulham and the next Wednesday against Dortmund uh, before the Premier League starts uh, in mid-August. So I think we can kind of see, uh, you know, we, we have a little bit of a schedule hopefully going forward here. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to get back into it like uh, you mentioned, I think. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's an awkward start to the episode. Uh, I just kind of want to get going. Does that make any sense? Yeah, um, it's also good to be back, in my opinion. But I mean, you gotta trust us this time, though. Trust us this time, though, that it, we're actually back. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we we said we were gonna be back, but uh, this time, this time for sure, probably, most likely. But yeah, I'm excited. It actually looks like we have some competent players now. We have a competent manager. We actually have tactics. We have a pattern of play. So uh, hopefully, we actually have some success, which won't make us all want to stop doing the podcast again. But I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. And so I guess let's get into it. Yeah. So we'll start out with match number one in the preseason, the Florida Cup. It uh, it was called against Wrexham, which is amazing story, by the way, that Wrexham was able to build up from the ground the way they did. But that's, I guess, what happens when you have two millionaire actors buying your club. Uh, but yes, very cool with the whole series, you know, Rob McElhaney and uh, Ryan Reynolds taking over. And now they're playing in preseason tournaments against, you know, one of the biggest clubs in England and the world, Chelsea, uh, which they lost 5-0 to, unfortunately, but that was kind of expected. Uh, we had Ian Matson score two goals in that one. Connor Gallagher uh, and Christopher Nkunku score, score a late one, as well as Ben Chilwell nodding in the final fifth goal at the end whistle. Literally, Chilwell scored, and the referee was just like, all right, let's cap it now. We get it. It's preseason. That was your fifth one. I think we can call it there. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that before where the goal is scored and just immediately after the ref calls the final whistle uh, to end the match. So that was pretty interesting. 
Uh, but yeah, it was a really great start to the um, Chelsea preseason and I guess the 2023 Chelsea season. Uh, a nice way to get it going, get everyone's morale and confidence boost there. And um, we saw a lot of different people sub in and that's normally how uh, pre-season pre works. But a lot of new faces and also a lot of youngsters uh, given the opportunity in that game. And like I said, a couple of them ending up on the score sheet. So that was the first match. I think obviously you need to have a bit of, you have to kind of rein in everything you take away from that game because it's against uh, opposition like Wrexham, who obviously they're in the fourth league of English football now. They're not, they're not your, you're, you're, they're not the best team we're coming against in preseason. So it's not the biggest test for us. Uh, and then, but that being said, I mean, 5 no win where it looked like we could actually play soccer again instead of just kind of running around across the field and hoping things work like we were under Lampard and honestly Potter too. And so I think it's just, it's just, it gave me confidence in the fact that we will actually be able to watch something that resembles what soccer is supposed to look like. And I mean, like you, I mean, 5 no win, obviously you're doing something right. And I think we did. I think. I mean, everybody played well, really. I mean, it's hard not to against a team where you you know you just have quality over them. But I mean, for the most part, I guess it was just a it was just a game where it gave everybody. I think all the fans after that game were like they were excited about what was to come because winning five nil, scoring goals, having great combinations, especially that last goal, like you said, Joshua, the one where the the, the ref decided that there's no need to play on. I mean, it was over the extra time at a time anyway. But I mean, the ref was just like, "It's over, man. Just just let it go." But that one was so good because it was just a, we actually played combinations. We had a one, we had the two one twos, and then a great ball over, and then Show had a nice finish too. Like that was like the best goal I've seen us score in like a year at least. Honestly, it was so so good, uh, especially good by Angelo, uh, the youngster we signed from Santos. Uh, he's probably going to go out on loan, honestly, which I don't know. We can talk about that later when we do our lineups, but I don't know. I think that was just, that just, that was like the big takeaway for me in that game was the fact that we actually have the ability to make, to score goals that are actually nice and to have attacks and to have us create chances where it's not just a ball to a wing back and a cross in and hoping something happens when we actually created it ourselves through nice play. Yeah, I mean, from that game, you're, I agree with everything both of you guys have said so far. Um, it really felt like a lot of these youngsters who we didn't really understand, you know, what their roles would be, how they were going to do, what, you know, how they were going to fit into this Chelsea team, whether it was uh, Cassady, who ended up playing the full 90 minutes, actually, uh, the only player on the pitch to do so, uh, against Wrexham, who looked very, very good and comfortable on the ball and great in transition. Um, Santos, uh, who also looked really good. Uh, and then Matson, who has been great in all three games, we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was great to see all these players uh, who we've kind of been waiting to see more of, um, whether it's been that they were signed in January, haven't been able to see them, or players who are just coming in now, like Nkunku and uh, Malo Gusto. Uh, Nicholas Jackson, for example, has also been obviously onto a very hot start. But yeah, I thought uh, the Wrexham game was a, a perfect start to preseason and uh, a really good transition into kind of a couple of more difficult matches against Premier League oppositions to follow. And now we move on to the, the second match of preseason, one that we were, when the first, like, the U.S. Summer Tour came out, we were all thinking of going, and then it all turned out that, like, two of us, I think even three of us were away. So I think we were all were away. We weren't even home, and the, the Lincoln Financial Field is, like, an hour from where we live, so that was the plan. 
didn't work out that way. Uh, but anyway, it was a very interesting, to say the least, 4-3 victory against Brighton. To give you kind of the quick recap, Danny Welbeck scored Brighton early with that Nkunku uh, getting an equalizer pretty uh, quickly after that in the 19th minute, and then it was 1-1. Then Mudrik and Gallagher score in the second half, which are like, okay, Chelsea 3-1, we're cruising, right? We're fine. No, we're not fine. Then there's a penalty. Pedro scores. It's it's uh, 3-2. And then Chelsea getting another one. Four, I think. Oh, it's 4-1, right? Actually. Four one, and then 4-2. Four, four, and then 4-3. Yeah, yeah, so sorry. I... I I missed the other goal. It was not even 3-1. It was 4-1. The action in that game, it was confusing. It was a lot. So it was 4-1, and then you're like, okay, Chelsea's got it. Like, we're we're fine. We're going to cruise to the end. And then they just, they get the penalty. It's like 4-2. You're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And then in the uh, 89th minute, like right before the 90th minute, they make a 4-3 to where you're hanging on at the edge of your seat a little bit at the end there. Like, okay, they're down a man. It's 11-on-10 football. And yet there's still a chance that Brighton can end this match in a draw. And it was... It was a little nerve-wracking. Luckily, Chelsea held on for the last like couple minutes plus extra time or you know, added time on at the end uh, to make it a 4-3 victory. But like you said, Alex, and like I, I even got confused and, and said the wrong scoreline for a little bit. It wasn't even 3-1. It was 4-1. And yet it felt like so small at the end of it, only winning 4-3. Uh, and that was the very crazy match uh, against Brighton. But yes, yeah, so I guess the highlight here... Um, Again, more younger players getting goals, and you also had Nicholas Jackson getting a goal as well. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from that game was just, I think people, when we signed uh, Nico Jackson, expected him to be, to us to sign another top-tier striker, like Ozepan, Vlahovic, someone like that. We he would then play behind them, he would be a rotation player. But I mean, I think definitely this game is when people started being like, oh, okay, like, I see what you have there. Like I see, I see your ability. I see your talent, and I mean, obviously the goal was great. I mean, it shows that we actually have a striker who can finish finally, unless he somehow turns into every other Chelsea striker randomly and forgets how to kick a ball as soon as the actual season starts, which wouldn't even Who's surprise me at this point. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Probably will. But at least the preseason was fun while it lasted. But I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was that combination, that Mudrik's goal. Where he they had a such 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 a good play, and that's the biggest thing I've been looking for that preseason is where we actually have combinations and look dangerous instead of just passing it around. And we did there. I mean, Mujic had a great ball to Jackson. Another layoff. Clearly, we're obsessed with one twos. Posh loves one twos. I mean, they work too. Then Mujic had a good flick, and then Jackson had a good flick, and then Mujic had a good finish. It was just perfect. Like, that was just such a good goal. That I, I was like. I, I was just so happy that we're scoring decent goals. It's it's insane. I, I love to see it. I mean, it's crazy. I think you can talk about uh, conceding those two late goals, but realistically, it's preseason. Mistakes happen. I, I don't think about it too much because the bigger thing for us, our defense was still good last year, even under those other coaches. The biggest thing was just not having any offense. So being able to score four goals against Premier League opposition, even though they're obviously not treating it exactly like it's a a real game it's still good to see and it still shows that i mean this was with potch having minimal tactical experience too so it's only going to get better from there yeah and brighton's been so annoying this whole window with casado uh, which we'll talk about a little bit briefly at the end um which has been a really really frustrating process this whole summer window it feels like so uh, it was good to get the the victory over them and like you said we saw more out of nico jackson um another in goal 
uh, it felt like this team was really coming together, at least going forward, where they really struggled this past season with scoring goals. Uh, and it looks like we got some more attacking firepower now uh, with going forward. So uh, you pretty much covered everything, though, uh, from the Brighton game. So, Josh, I'll let you uh, move on to the Newcastle game to finish it out for this past like week or so of preseason action. Yeah, what a what a tough game here. I mean, you really had like three different emotions going into this, right? Or going into like these last three games. Chelsea versus Wrexham, 5-0. Yay, we're jumping up for joy. This is a great start to the preseason. 4-3 versus Brighton. You're shaking. You know, you're shivering. What is going to happen? I'm on the edge of my seat. Is Chelsea going to finish with a victory? And then it was just like, bleh is my feeling against Newcastle. A 1-1 draw. You did have another goal by Nico Jackson early in this one. Uh, and then just past that point, Chelsea just were not able to find the net. So, I mean, I don't really know what else you guys want to say about this one, but it's just, it's, even in preseason, it's it's tough to have draws and, and against Newcastle in this Premier League preseason uh, little little series here, which, by the way, Chelsea do still have a chance to win for any of you who are interested in that uh, millions of dollar cash money prize. They they have that game against Fulham on Sunday, and I believe if Aston Villa loses, then and Chelsea wins, they will they will win it. Yeah, because Chelsea and Aston Villa both have four points. So you know the Premier League summer series is, is still in our hands. We could still get the victory. It's very exciting. Is there a trophy that comes with this with the, with the paycheck as well? See, us Chelsea fans, we don't really focus on that. If you're a Spurs fan and, you know, these are the only trophies you end up winning, it's a little bit different. But um, so, no, I'm not aware of that. But my aspirations are higher than the Premier League Classic USA Championship, whatever the other name, whatever it's called, National. I don't remember what you The PL Summer Series trophy is better than a championship, man. I don't know what you're talking about. We need to win the last game. We need it. We need it. We need it. It might be better than the Audi Cup. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think this performance, I mean, you saw that Nico Jackson bowl in the beginning, uh, that beautiful ball in from Ian Matson uh, or through to Nico Jackson. We just looked so calm and composed under goal, uh, in front of goal, I should say. Uh, everyone's calling him the drug by regen. And Nico Jackson, right, $30 million. Um, Chelsea have got a lot of very successful signings uh, with $30 million, uh, you know, uh, players whether it's been Hazard in the past or N'Golo Conte or who else? Diego Costa was around 30 million. So just a few players that have come to mind that have been in that 30 million range. Chelsea have tend to hit on those players. Um, obviously all very different players that we're talking about there, but just, a, I guess, a neat coincidence there. And then Ian Matson, I think we got to mention him. He was playing out of position pretty much the whole time, uh, whether he was on a left wing, right wing in the midfield, um, a little bit at left back, of course, which he is his natural position, but it really felt like he was being used all over the place by Poch, and everywhere he was playing, he was performing very well. Um, so I was really, really impressed by him, uh, and that was the main takeaway, honestly, um, for this game. I thought Cassady, uh was really good again. We saw the return of Reese James uh, after injury, so that was good to see after three months of uh, not being on the pitch. So overall, I thought, you know, yes, 1-1 draw, but uh, there was a lot of positives to take out of it. I completely agree. I think it's also important to consider that I think Newcastle was taking that game a bit more seriously than we were. They they definitely treated it a bit more like it was a serious game where we were kind of still in the preseason mindset, which I think that's important. But I think that for me, obviously, I was going to say the stuff about Matson because, I mean, he's been great. But 
I guess the second biggest takeaway for me is the fact that in the first half, we were playing great. And then as soon as the subs come on the second half, we start playing not great. And those players that come on are the ones that are supposed to be the ones that are already prem proven, the ones that we fought beforehand, the ones that are supposed to be great, like Cucurella, Sterling, to, to name those two, the entire left side of our uh, team who looked shaky. Is that Howdy like, bound is another yeah. word for them. Okay, Shadi, uh, both start with S, so I guess I was close. Um, but yes, I mean, hope, I, mean, I don't want to say hopefully because we do need to keep some players, but I mean, they're definitely, if that game was anything to go off, they are definitely just not. Then compared to all the young, hungry players, obviously you want to have experience, but you want to have experience you can actually play instead of having experience who comes on, takes horrible touches, turns the ball over, can't actually... It doesn't play at the same level that all the youngsters are playing at. It's just you you would want to see Sterling, who's been in the Premier League for this long and has always had success, to actually be able to know how to kick a football, but I don't think he does anymore. So like you said, Alex, if if my, my oil money friends, if they really wanted to come in with an offer, 30, 40 million just for you, I mean, I don't know. It'll be, it might be a bit tough to refuse, in my opinion, especially when we have talented wingers, is younger talented wingers or we could go get another option like Moreira and uh, Angelo both uh, able to play there but Alvinal Mbappe said no a cheeky 300 million for Sterling Kukurea Kepa beautiful combo package deal yeah package deal I mean why get Mbappe when you can get those three yeah basically the same thing honestly you know similar dribbling skills between Mbappe uh Mbappe and Sterling, and then you get a good goalkeeper in Kepa. I mean, a Spanish international has a few caps there. Was the number one at some point? I mean, most Real expensive goalkeeper ever. Yeah, uh, most expensive Real goalkeeper. Most expensive fullback in the world. That true. Yeah, you're getting a lot of the good things here, uh, Saudi. If you guys are listening, please, <laughs> please save us, please, <laughs> please. But, but I mean, no. I think it was a good performance. Obviously, the second half was a bit, like Josh said, it was a bit bleh. It was just not up to par with the other games but you can't always have good games and I mean Newcastle were very 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 good last year very very surprising so drawing to them I would have last year if we played them would have taken a draw all day with the with the results we were getting and I think that just goes to show a bit of how we progressed but no I think it was a good game from us I think we showed a lot I think some other players showed a little and I think that goes a long way especially the older players but for the most part it, it was good things. I was I was happy about a performance. All right, and we have a like I said, Chelsea can win the Premier League Summer Series. This is huge, guys. On Sunday against Fulham, so we'll have to wait and see what happens, and we will let you know if they do so next week. But for right now, we have our lineup predictions at this point. Uh, like I said, in the end of July, beginning of August period, Premier League starting in mid August, we'll have another. Uh, episode with our closer prediction to that point but for now uh, the rules are it has to be a 4-2-3-1 besides that you kind of have your own your own system you could do whatever you really want here uh, and I guess are we going like who we each have at, at each part of the positions or should we each just do our own lineup Um, I'd say let's just go like uh, let's start def- uh Goalkeeper, defense, and then we can do midfield and attackers together. Okay, so man just did not listen to what I said at all. Um, yes, so that sounds good. I said, I said, I said, do we either 
each do our own lineups individually, say them, or do we go position by position revealing? And then I'm just go. I'm saying something different from position by position. I'm proposing his own ideas. I'm proposing a new idea. You understand? It's goalkeeper and defenders, and then midfielders and attackers. It's like no. So multiple positions grouped up, and we each do our own thing. Okay, cool. So we're gonna start out with goalkeepers and defenders. Um, I had Keppa in the goalkeeper position. I'm surprised if anyone has anything different. Uh, and then defenders, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva, uh, Colwell, Reese James. That's four. Okay. I had a... Uh, I can count. I had Keppa, Reese James, Thiago Silva, Colwell, and Ian Matson at left back. So, damn you. I just want to say, we haven't seen Matson at left back, honestly. I mean, <laughs> we also have... And this is natural position, and I'm sure he'll be good there. But based on what we've seen in preseason, I don't know if you can really put him there. But I want him to go there because that just means there's less of a chance that Cucurella plays. Chilwell's fine, but uh, I don't know because I have Chilwell, I'll say. Kepa in goal, obviously. I don't think we really could play uh, Slonina, Bergstrom, or any of those young players yet. But yeah, we have Kepa in goal. Then for me, Reese James are right back. Thiago Silva. Uh, Levi Colwell, and then Ben Showell. Basically the same back line as Josh. And then I'll go into my pivot. And then I, because I think at Cam, all of us probably have in Kunku, as, as we should. I feel like that's the reasonable takeaway. But my, and obviously also Enzo in the pivot too. This one's kind of self-explanatory. But that other pivot spot, pretty up for grabs right now, especially because we obviously haven't actually signed Casado yet. Hopefully by the time we do our next lineup prediction towards the end of the preseason, he will be at the other CDM spot, but can't have him right now because he is not a Chelsea player. So for me right now, I have Andre Santos playing there in that pivot with Enzo. Is it me? I don't think we have a direct order, so it could be whoever it wants to be. All right, well, I was I was going by the assumption. Yeah, it, you would be going. <laughs> okay, so in my midfield to attacking range, it, it wait because that's what we're doing, right? Yeah, so we're literally just finishing it. Peter, did you even have? Did you say who's up front? Yeah, because there's one attacker, three mid. mid, mid well, so just, why do we have to do one pivot. separate section for the attacker? We'll do that big of a deal. Technically, okay. Just do the pivot out okay. your cam. Wait, oh wait, Peter did my was differently. I understand. We're well, all I because I because if you yeah. if you only have one attacker, that's kind of like sad. So I would just keep the wide mids. We're doing the two and the three. No, we're doing no, the no. two and the three. So we're doing the wingers too. Okay, sorry, I have to, I have to go back. I was just, I was just saying oh. that we should. This is why Alex's no, system no, is fraud. No, no, listen. I was saying we do the two pivots, then you have the three, the wingers and the cam, and then the attack, the striker, and then you do it all at once. Then that way, hey, two, okay. that's what I was. Yeah, I was just what I, that was the assumption that I had. Yeah, so I was following you. Peter's on a different wavelength from us, okay? He doesn't understand. Whatever. Okay, well, now I have to go back to my lineup. As you can tell, we are exceptionally organized at this podcast. As you know. But, um, yeah. Okay, back to my wingers then. I have, unfortunately, because this is a prediction and not what I want to see, I do have Raheem Sterling starting out wide because somehow he always seems to find it just because, like I said, he's prem proven. He's a veteran, even though he may be worse than all the other winger options we have. And the other side, I have Mikhailo Mujic, who I think will have a big season. Uh, maybe not with Sterling if he's playing with Sterling on the other side, but uh, hopefully, hopefully he will. Okay, I'm so confused. I'm just going to roll with mine. All right, so at the pivot, I have Enzo and Gallagher. Uh, at the two winger spots, I've got Mudrik and Madu- uh, Madueke. 
And then at camera, I've got Ngungu uh, at the 10 spot, I should say. Um, and then up front, I've got Nicholas Jackson. Um, okay. That is my the rest of my lineup. At the end, we're going to re- read through each of our own lineups so people actually can understand what that is. I just realized I also forgot to say the striker. So, striker, I have Nico Jackson also, I will say. I think every, I mean, I, I think he's just shown a lot in preseason and I'm excited about that. But uh, yeah, hopefully his performance is better than my performance in this lineup. Reading so far. All right. And I will finish strong here. My holding or uh, the uh, CDMs are Enzo Fernandez and Connor Gallagher. And I move to my attackers, Christopher Nkunku, uh, Mudrik and Raheem Sterling, and then Amando Broja, which is what we, we didn't see him. Uh, a lot in this preseason, or at all, but I still have him starting. It's my prediction. You know what? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but you might as well take a chance if you feel like it. You know, I, I feel like he'd be... If you like it, and I feel like it, so I'm taking the chance. Broja out top. Confused can understand. And people are confused, and this is likely all of our faults, because you're right, it's just me for being bad, but yes. All right. Let's go. Yeah, oh, repeat my whole lineup. Okay. Keppa, Keppa in goal. Defense. Ben Chowell, Tiago Silva, uh, Levi Colwell, Reese James. Holding midfielders or CDMs. Enza Fernandez and Connor Gallagher. Attackers. Christopher Nkunku, Mikhailo Mudrik, and Raheem Sterling. And striker, the man up top, Armando Broja. Yeah. Peter, you're next. What's your lineup? Okay, my lineup. Kevin Goal, Reese James right back, Tiago Silva right center back, Levi Cole left center back, Ben Shoa left back, Andre Santos and Enzo as holding mids, Sterling on the right, and Kunku at Cam, Mujic on the left, and Nico Jackson up top. I, I, I just right. came up with that one on the fly. You appreciate that, Alex? I saw you laugh. No, I don't. I don't appreciate it. Um, I have Kevin Goal, uh, Reese James, uh, and Matson at the uh, fullback spot, Silva and Colwell at center back. Enzo and Gallagher in the pivot. Uh, and then I got Mudrik on the left, Matueke on the right, and Kunku at the 10, and Jackson right. Um, before we, uh, I guess, kind of transition to the end of this episode, I did want to give a couple of updates on the transfer window that has happened over the last day or so. Um, so Callum Hudson-Odoi, it looks like he's going to be on his way to Fulham soon. Fulham have made an offer of £4 million. Uh, Chelsea want £8 million. Pretty funny, considering Bayern were willing to pay seventy-two million pounds. Uh, what is it? Maybe three or four years ago now. So uh, Chelsea took a big loss there, but I guess it is what it is. He didn't really work out, but good luck to him if he does end up going to Fulham. And then Chelsea have now made another offer for Caicedo uh, of eighty million uh, pounds, which Brighton apparently bought a hundred or more, or they will give more leniency if we include. Levi Colwell in the deal, which is, I think, a non-starter for us and hopefully a non-starter for Chelsea. And uh, they're being extremely difficult. Is Caicedo worth £100 million? He is absolutely not. Peter, Josh, you guys have any thoughts on that situation? I'm sure you don't really have thoughts on Hudson Boyd, to be completely honest, but any thoughts on that situation before we go? Uh, the only thoughts I have on Hudson Adoy are I hate uh, Achilles injuries and I also hate... Um... I hate the fact that we didn't uh, send him out to buy. I do think it was an obligation to buy after a loan, though. So technically, they didn't agree to pay it up front, I think, if I'm right. But, I mean, the fact that they were offering $72 million even as an obligation to buy after a loan, and now we're getting, like, 
six million. I think that just shows how his fall off. It's unfortunate. And obviously, Casado, like you said, I actually despise Bray. And now, honestly, they're just so annoying. Like, worth close to deal with. They didn't let him leave in in the January window, and then promised he could leave for a fair bid, and then proceeded to not let him leave when we gave a fair bid, and instead are, pres- are trying to do a one getting a basically a record fee just because Declan Rice and Drew Bellingham, who are both better players than Casado, or at least maybe not better, but have proven more have gone for more, and so they naturally think that Casado's worth that because they're trying to squeeze the most out of it, and then they, even though we're providing them with good bids, they decide no, we're just going to reject it immediately and wait until you give us a horrible, horrible offer. Not horrible, and I mean, we might also end up having to pay a horrible offer if we get desperate, especially because I think our top backup would be Romeo Lavia, who is basically almost being set to go to Liverpool if we don't act quickly. There's been reports we might try to hijack that but we're focused on Casado, and so obviously that means we can't, if we're deciding to only focus on one deal, he's just going to go to Liverpool and we're going to be left with less options. I it just It's just very annoying. I think that's my main takeaway on that deal. It's been such, such, such a long saga for literally like zero progress because it's not anywhere, anywhere closer to actually being a done deal. So I just hope that someone gives and Casado pushes for a move or something. He posts one of... He posts the Instagram post again saying he's like excited to leave and bring in a club record fee like he did in the January window. I need that to happen again. Need him to stop showing up the training. Just need him to do something so they Brighton would realize and start lower their asking price from an insane, insane amount. Because I really like that player, but not at that price tag. I think uh, I think Peter has covered it all um, <laughs> so when it comes to that part of things. So, so with that being said, what I will say is uh, we do have an exciting announcement to talk about real quick. It should only take a couple minutes as long as I talk fast. We have partnered with Fan First Sports Network, FFSN, and um, it is a very exciting opportunity for us. And um, yeah, so we used to, we really thank Shippet Studios for all that they gave us the past couple of years. It was a very exciting and great opportunity, and they gave us a lot of advantages. Um, and yeah, it was completely like a, a mutual uh, parting, I should say. Uh, and we were able to join Fanford Sports Network. And we think it's going to very much benefit us in the in the long run here because it's a sports network. They have other Premier League podcasts on there as well, as well as an other soccer podcasts. So uh, if we do ever play clubs, you know, Premier League clubs and, and those podcasters, you know, they, we might do some cross promotion where we go on there. They come on here. Um, some exciting opportunities like that. If we ever get back and, to the Champions uh, League, we can maybe do again some other clubs in other leagues. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say that because they do have other uh, European and, you know, other different clubs that they cover as well. Uh, not in the Premier League, but then I stopped myself before I said that because I knew we weren't going to be playing those clubs this year. So then I just stayed with the Premier League stuff. Um, but But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, Alex, do you have anything else on that? I don't, I don't think so. I think you I think I, covered it all. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited for that opportunity, and um, yeah, just keep listening, keep supporting, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to put out that content weekly. Uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. Drop a five stars if you like it, and follow us on Twitter. Uh, Alex on Twitter at annoying twenty three. I'm on Twitter at joshall twenty nine. I'm just going to leave that personal accounts for now. Actually, and at Talking Blues Pod, because once the Premier League season rolls around, we will start tweeting on there again. So uh, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time for another episode next week of the Talking Blues Podcast.